Hi, I'm Chris McBrien, a Gen Xer, and the pop culture from my generation is awesome. And I'm Yance Eaton, a millennial, and the pop culture from my generation is dope. Episode 69, Romantic Comedies. McBrien here along with Yancey Eaton. As I mentioned, we are going to be doing romantic comedies this week. But first, Yancey, what have you got for us? Uh, hello, Chris. Hello. Uh, congratulations on making it to episode 69. It's very nice. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, I just wanted very quickly to read off an email. I just got it, I think this afternoon, actually, from uh, our buddy Scott. He's we, We've had it back and forth a couple of times on Twitter and stuff. Uh, but he had a question, basically. He was saying, I can't believe Chris didn't ask you, do you have any interest in watching Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom now? Or perhaps The Last Crusade? Whatever you do, do not watch the last installment. It was complete garbage. That's from Scott in Rochester. Oh, so Scott, we well, first of all, Scott in Rochester all. is, if I may interrupt, Scott in Rochester is right. I haven't even watched the last installment. I refuse. It looks Is so that bad. the Crystal Skull one with like yeah. Shia LaBeouf? Yeah, it looks okay. terrible. So yeah, zero zero desire to see that. But have you seen? Obviously, you've seen the other ones. But yes, I have. Um, are are they on that same that same like <clears throat> plane as far as like you want me to see them or that you think they're pretty good? Or, so like, I would I would say this. Here's the thing. This is there, this is an interesting thing, and it's going to cause some debate. But the second one is not as good. The neither the second third one are as good as the first one. I don't think mm-hmm. the third one gets a lot of love, especially the, like from a critical point of view. Like people think it's the best of the of the of the the series, which I, I just don't believe it is. I think the first one is the best. Um, the third one has a lot of religious stuff going on. Not that that's a bad thing, but it's like there's a lot there's a lot of, they're, they're actually looking for the Holy Grail and all this stuff. And then you know he has to use his his um, his belief you know to walk across a, a hidden like an invisible bridge and stuff like that. And it, it was good. And Sean Connery is wonderful and was a great addition and very inspired casting as Indy's dad but to me the first one's still the best that being said I like the second one a little bit more than the third one and here's why because the second one I enjoyed it again you know my take is I like having a lot of fun in these kind of movies and to me the second one was a lot of fun it's completely over the top which the first one is and the third and and the third one isn't quite as over the top it's a little more grounded so I like the over the top stuff so I did enjoy the second one but it goes one two three for me Mm, okay it's nice to get a little bit of follow-up and like a feedback from the listeners and stuff so i I thought it was an interesting question because you know it is technically like a whole you know trilogy a whole franchise and you know we didn't really touch on it at all but yeah um other than that i don't really have a whole lot i will say this before we jump into it uh i i mentioned it that we should do a romantic comedies in honor of episode 69 just because i'm a child and you and your juvenile 69 jokes (laughs) i tell you i really am a child but um (laughs) i did not realize chris how difficult it was going to be to fill out an entire show worth of content and have interesting things to talk about because i i am not a rom-com guy i didn't realize this until I actually happened to you know compile a list like i man i do not watch romantic comedies and the few ones that i have seen i've only seen maybe once or twice or bits or pieces at a time and so like i was really having to dig to kind of find something to talk about i mean what's your experience with a with the romantic comedy genre do you, is this something you watch a lot do you and your wife watch it together or like what, so, what does that look like so, so this 
this is an interesting question because, first of all, it's interesting to me because you're the one that suggested this topic. So, you know, know, you threw this out there. Yeah, (laughs) I know. Trying to be juvenile with your 69 jokes, I tell you. Um, But yeah, no, I think I do enjoy romantic comedies. I think as a genre, they're pretty good. You'll see some of the ones I have tonight are not the textbook ones. There's one that's textbook, I would think, and the other ones might surprise a few people. Um, But anyway, that being said, I do enjoy them. I don't watch them with my wife too much. And because here's the thing. So a lot of the ones that she wants to watch are kind of like the newer ones that I'm not really, I, I, I watch old movies, right? But he, speaking of my wife, the interesting thing, I wanted to share two things with you. Number one, first of all, our wedding anniversary is coming up. And so I thought, what the heck am I going to do? So I was able to get tickets to go see Brian Adams. So uh, my wife is very excited. I'm so, familiar. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to go see Brian Adams. He's going to be up here about half an hour from, uh, from my place here. And, interesting uh, interesting thing about Brian Adams, yeah. I don't know if you realize this, but a couple years ago, he released an entire cover album of Taylor Swift's 1989, and it is honestly fantastic. <laughs> it is yeah, so much amazing. better than Taylor Swift's album. And it's all, you know, all the same lyrics and stuff, but completely different instrumentation. The singing's different, everything like that. It made me like reappreciate Brian Adams for like, you know, just being really, really inventive. But that's a huge aside. But Yeah, but no, so it's gonna be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to seeing him. He's Canadian, obviously. He's got, you know, a zillion songs that are so great. So I'm actually really excited to go see him. So my wife's excited too. And uh, but speaking of my wife, I told her that we were going to be doing romantic comedies on the show this week. And then she was like, why aren't you having me on the show? And I was like, what? What? <laughs> I'm like, what? You want a guest on the show? And she's like, yeah, I want to be a guest on your show. I should be talking about romantic comedy. Why wouldn't you have me on the show? And I was like, well. Sounds like my wife. I'm like, okay, well, listen, if you were to come on the show and discuss romantic comedies, what movies would you mention? I'm curious. So she says to me, well, Casablanca. And I'm like, that's not a romantic comedy. I hate to break it to you. <laughs> and she's like, oh, yeah, right. And then she says, well, um, Dirty Dancing. I said, that's not a comedy either. I'm sorry. And she's like, all oh, right. And then I, I said to her, this is exhibit A as to why you're not coming on the podcast. And, <laughs> and in a related story, I'm sleeping on the couch tonight, too, by the way. So <laughs> so there's that. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so she she was like, hey, I want to come on the show. And then she didn't even have anything to contribute. I thought that was kind of funny. But uh, anyway, are you ready to get into uh, your list? You said it was a little bit of a struggle, but are you ready to, to delve into it a bit? I am ready, Christopher. All right, here we go. Phoebe Cates in the red bikini scene. Jody loves chachis. Gotta like it. <laughs> didn't she die the same day as Michael Jackson? This- but you did meet Fred Savage once. What's ben, oh, Savage. ben Savage. Ben Savage. Because around here, Yancey is the baby-faced one, and I, of course, am the ladies' man. I'm a huge fan of, like, that that feathered look that the women of the 60s and 70s did with their hair. Somewhere on your smartphone there, young man. You can look it up. Is it still around? It was the two Corys. It was Corey Heyman, Corey Feldman. I actually felt really bad for the guy. But- and I had the hugest crush on Susan Ersty. <laughs> Who are these people? <laughs> Okay, so Yancey, I'll let you uh, take us away. We'll work uh, number five up to number one, like we always do. Number five, romantic comedy from the millennial generation. What is it? All right, so uh, the first one is a little bit of a cheat. I Like you were talking about how you were going back and forth with your wife, just like asking her about what would be on the podcast and stuff. Every week, my research process for the show starts with, I kind of pick my wife's brain just because she kind of puts me on like a nice track. She brings yep. up stuff that I forget. And it's weird that like your wife knows you more than you know you. That's definitely true. Uh, you know, for people who are you know super close relationships like I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and she probably like a, and she probably doesn't suggest Casablanca as a romantic comedy either. So you correct. got that I think, going for you. I think you. she understands like the general <laughs> premise of what a romantic comedy is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sleeping on the couch, yeah. so I don't care. I can keep digging her. <laughs> yeah. So I I was going back and forth there because I was 
I was really drawing a blank as far as romantic comedies go. And so she started rattling off a bunch and she actually came up with some really good ones. Uh, the first one is a little bit of a cheat. Um, I know that this is not in the spirit of what we intended the show to be, but um, it's my favorite love story of all time. And it's not actually a movie, which I know a lot of romantic comedies are. Um, it's a TV show. It's one of my favorite, if not my favorite TV show. And it's The Office. I'm talking about. Uh, Jim Halper and Pam Beasley on The Office, Jenna Fisher and uh, John Krasinski. It's, you know, I <laughs> reference this show every time I can. It is one of those beautiful love stories that slowly develops. It takes like multiple seasons almost for these two to finally get together. At one point, Pam's character, she's an office receptionist, and she is engaged to a guy who works in the warehouse at the same company that Jim also works at, who's a paper salesman for Dunder Mifflin. And um, it's just like this really like tense back and forth. Like you're constantly wondering if they're ever going to get back together. So many different things like trip them up. And, uh, you know, like the timing is just never right. And I, I don't know. I feel like other people can definitely relate to that story. It's it's not hyperbole. It's not a, you know, a scenario that you can't envision for yourself or for people around you. And it's just beautifully acted, beautifully scripted. And like I said, I understand that, you know, we're not thinking romantic comedies. We're not thinking like full fledged TV series that lasted for years. Um, but I just wanted to give it a nod. And also because I couldn't think of five. So a little bit of a cheat, but it's all good. No, I, I don't. I, I, that's OK. I can live with that one. OK, so I'm going to go back to 1984 for my number five. And at the time, you know, there was this there was this guy named Ron Howard, you know, who had been on Happy Days for years. And he just started directing and he'd only done two movies at this point, And he did a movie called Grand Theft Auto. And then it did, of course, Night Shift with Fawn. And that movie was great. I love that one. Um, but then in 1984, he decided uh, he was going to release a movie and it was going to be a romantic comedy. And it was going to star this little known actor called Tom Hanks. And at the time, Tom Hanks had, had only done a couple of TV guest spots and he was he had done a movie. Um, oh, what was the heck was the name of it? Uh, he Knows You're Alone was this movie that he had done in 1980. Small part okay. in it. And then, you know, Tom Hanks is going to be the leading man in this movie uh, about but the funny thing was is that it's a romantic comedy where a guy falls in love with a girl of course that makes the the romance part but then the comedy part comes out because they realize that she's actually a mermaid and i know that sounds crazy yes, that's but bear really with me. not what i was expecting <laughs> bear with me the movie is called splash okay it's from 1984 okay. and i love this movie it's actually really really good it's really funny and uh tom hanks shows right away when you know i remember watching this movie when it came out i went to see it in the theater when it came out and i remember watching it and thinking this guy's gonna be a star he was just had so much charisma on the screen he was great and then daryl hannah plays the girl that he meets that's actually a mermaid and then you know they're in new york city and you know and then he's got to try you know of course the old fish out of water literally the fish out of the water story and then you know she's got to decide that she needs to go back to where she's from you know i mean that's where she lives in the ocean so she got to go back and then you know, there's always mm -hmm. that the sad part of the, the story and stuff that goes on and john candy is in it and remember i told you before i remember we talked about john candy on a previous show and i was saying one of my favorite things i like about john candy is he always has a bit of an edge and he does in this one too because he plays this guy that right. just he likes uh, Playboy magazine and all this stuff, and uh, he plays like his you know sidekick friend in it, and he's just great. And at the end, you know, John Candy is the one that really tries to help them out and you know try and get them to be together and escape and all that stuff. And it's really really good. It sounds as crazy as can be, you know, for a movie premise, but it's actually. And a really, really funny, and it's actually a really heartfelt movie. I like it a lot. 1984's Splash is my number five. On to your four. I've mentioned before that 1984, aside from 1999, is like my second favorite pop culture year, just because it's whenever my parents were seniors in high school. Right. Um, I bet you they almost assuredly see, like saw this movie together. Like, that had to have happened. You'll have to ask them. Um, I'm sure they did. Yeah. What was it called one more time? Splash. 
Splash. Right, yeah. I'm going to write it down so I can go take a look at it. Okay, so number four for me is uh, a, a weird movie. It's from 2009. It stars Sandra Bullock and it stars Ryan Reynolds. It is The Proposal, which I cannot believe that I'm actually talking about these movies. <laughs> of all the movies we could talk about, we're doing – this is such a mistake talking about romantic comedies. Um, I've never even heard of it, by the way. Uh, if you've seen it, honestly, Chris, it's pretty funny. I'm not going to lie. It's pretty good. Um, it's it's good enough where I could actually remember it, whereas I can't even name five romantic comedies off the top of my head. But uh, the, the title line on IMDb, it says, a pushy boss played by Sandra Bullock is she forces her young assistant, Ryan Reynolds, to marry her in order to keep her visa status in the United States and avoid deportation to Canada. So it is a, a weird premise, which like your movie, The Splash, I, I like or Splash. Sorry, I like movies that have like a really specific plot. There's like a lot of weird kind of, you know, little details and like, you know, plot building and it built into them. I like the idea of like a Canadian being deported. I don't know if that's something that actually really happens a lot. I don't think that's really um, maybe it's a thing. I, I have no idea what I'm talking about. But as I mentioned, it's it stars Sandra Bullock, Ryan Reynolds. Uh, it has Betty White as Grandma Annie in it. She's very, very good in it. Oscar Nunez. He plays uh, obviously he plays Oscar from The Office, which is kind of like a weird tie in that I didn't realize until after I you know compiled this list. Um, really, really good cast. It's super funny. Um, multiple scenes in it. Like, you know, of course, like they start off by like hating each other. He hates working for her as like her almost like her understudy, like her personal slave assistant kind of thing. They do fall in love. But like, you know, a lot of funny stuff happens, like any romantic comedy, I guess. And I can't really recall specific scenes. I know at one point, like her little fluffy poodle dog gets picked up by a hawk and she chases after it. And I remember laughing in the theater. Um, I don't really know how else to talk about this movie, Chris. It's funny. <laughs> <laughs> Are you beginning to regret that you suggested this topic I am. this week? <laughs> Can you tell I'm struggling? I'm like dying over here. Like, <laughs> nice. Stuff. Yeah. Um, I remember it being funny and I remember people yeah. laughing at it. I think uh, my wife and I, we get like free tickets or something to go see this. Um, it was directed by Ann Fletcher. Here we go. I could just read the IMDb credits. If you'd like me to. <laughs> um, but it was funny. I think I've seen it twice. I enjoyed it. So uh, I'm going to make it my number four, The Proposal from 2009. Okay. So my, my, you mentioned before 1984 and my fourth one is also from 1984. So you'll have to check with your parents if they saw this one. I can pretty much guarantee that they did. And it is called 16 Candles and it's by John Hughes, the director and this is actually one of those movies and i know it's a romantic comedy but this is actually one of those movies that i would definitely have on my list at some point for you to watch as a gen x movie for us to go back and forth when we go back and forth on our movie titles okay it, it is so good man and as far as romantic comedies go man it is really really funny so the idea is molly ringwald is in it and she's turning 16 but what's happening is is her older sister's getting married OK, and, he, and she's marrying this like, you know, like this. I think he's like a mobster or something like that. But anyway, um, so because the older sister's getting married, that's what's taking up everybody's attention. And of course, what happens? Everybody forgets her birthday. And it's like, you know, the 16th birthday is like, you know, a girl's most special birthday. Right. So like what could be worse than if everybody forgot her birthday? That's the idea. And then to, to make matters worse, she's in love with like this hunky guy from school who, you know, she thinks doesn't even know that she exists and all this. And then to make matters even worse still, the absolute biggest dork played by Anthony Michael Hall. He's Farmer Ted. He's so, so funny in this movie. Oh, my goodness. He is so, so good. He totally is, is like always hitting on her and trying to get like it's just everything's going on it's just unbelievable lots and lots of great actors in it Joan Cusack is in it and uh, Brian Dole Murray and you know Paul Dooley as the dad is just so memorable it is an outstanding movie it's John Hughes at his best it really is and I tell you the movie is almost worth watching 
For Getty Watanabe, he plays Long Duck Dong, and him alone. Oh God, it's worth watching the movie for. This is a family podcast. Bro. I know. Oh man, it is. You just have to watch it. It is so funny. Him, the first time he's on screen with these sort of bug eyes looking at her at the table, is just so funny. He is funny in every scene he's in. He's just he basically steals the whole movie and just runs away with the movie. Oh. Telling you, man, 16 candles. I've seen it a zillion times. I'd watch it a zillion more. It's amazing. So that's my number four. On to your three. All right. So my number three is a dark comedy. It's The Lobster. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, was trying to, I was trying to be serious. I'm, I'm a child tonight. I really can't be serious. Uh, number okay. three for me is Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Um, it stars ah, yes. Chris and Bell. I, I'm not sure if, honestly, I've never gotten clarification on this, Chris. Is it Jason Siegel or Jason Seagal? I think I've always called him Siegel. But I, I mean, I, that's the way I've always pronounced it. I don't know if it's right or not, but I've always called him Jason Siegel. I'm not sure either. Um, Paul Rudd's also in the movie. It's very, very funny. Uh, I'll read you the byline again just because it's a little bit more articulate describing it than I am. But uh, it says a devastated Peter played by uh, Seagal or Siegel is takes a Hawaiian vacation in order to deal with the recent breakup of his TV star girlfriend, Sarah, who's obviously played by Kristen Bell. Little does he know she is traveling to the same resort as her or as her ex and she's bringing along her new boyfriend i like this movie because it is a weird premise like we mentioned before um (laughs) there's male frontal nudity nudity in this which i was not expecting um this guy is like super weird and kind of like quirky he's writing like a dark uh dracula themed like opera i guess but it's actually like whenever he actually performs it in the show it's it's very kind of artistic and actually really beautiful which you don't expect it to be um he's really funny there's a scene where he's talking about he's trying to get over his ex and he's at the doctor and he's talking about how he just hooked up with this girl and he cried immediately after they had sex and uh you know he he was afraid he might have an std and what did the doctor think and the doctor's like i'm a pediatrician don't you notice that you're sitting on a fire truck like (laughs) like there's there's a lot of like really kookiness to it just uh this was back whenever russell brand was still really really funny and absolutely like killing it in the comedy scene um obviously he had like a falling out as far as like substance abuse and stuff goes so he kind of distanced himself from halloween uh from halloween jesus he he was doing he was he was talented at one time oh there's a Russell Brand used to really kill it as far as comedy goes, like stand up and everything like he was actually like really, really respected. I will will take your word for it. Yeah, you got to take my word for it. Um, He's been on a couple of podcasts and stuff that I listened to, like he was on Joe Rogan's podcast and just like he's had like a real journey as far as like substance abuse goes where he's completely straight edge. Now, he doesn't do anything like that just because he has to acknowledge the fact that like, you know, he has that in him. He has that proclivity for substance abuse and stuff. But um, this is just like a really weird movie. It's really, really funny. Like uh, Kristen Bell's character is like this movie star. I think she's she stars in like one of those like CSI, like uh, NCIS type movies and there's just a lot of back and forth between her and him where he's obviously trying to get over her, but is not even nearly close to doing so. And it's just like this endearing movie. It's about like finding yourself and just being honest with yourself. And uh, it's funny. Like I said, there's there's full male frontal nudity, which is something you do not expect to see in like a romantic comedy like this. But, um, you know, it's the same guys who did like Knocked Up in the 40 year old version. It's kind of that same ilk, but I think a lot funnier, to be honest with you. So that's my what, what number are we on three. My yeah, number three. Number three. Yep. So forgetting Sarah Marshall from, I think, 2006. 
Yeah, 2008 is my number three. All right. Uh, mine, I'm going to go way back. This is an interesting movie for my number three because I both love this movie and I hate this movie. And I'm going to explain why. I love this movie because it is absolutely fantastic. And the thing is, I know that I'm sometimes accused of, you know, giving the textbook answers and the chalky picks. And this one is the chalkiest of all chalky picks when it comes to romantic comedies. But uh, And I love it for that. But I hate it because in 1977, it beat Star Wars out for Best Picture. Yes, that's right. Annie Hall is the movie. And yeah, it's chalky and all that kind of stuff. But when it comes to romantic comedies, I'm telling you, if it's like if you went to film school to learn how to, you know, make a romantic comedy instead of a textbook, they just say, just watch any hall. Okay, because it is just phenomenal. It's done. And if you, as a millennial, you know, Yance, you probably only know Woody Allen as kind of like that creepy old guy that, you know, married his. That's exactly yeah. how I know Woody Allen. Every time somebody says his name, yeah. I just kind of cringe. Exactly. Yeah. And, and that's how you know him, right? Is this guy that, you know, married Mia Farrow's stepdaughter, right? And that's really weird and creepy. And that's weird. But the thing is, what you, if that's what all you know Woody Allen for, then you don't know some of his work. And let me tell you, it doesn't get any better than Annie Hall. It's his best movie. It's his most popular movie that he ever did. Like I say, it won Best Picture. It's it's innovative. It's unbelievable in terms of just the style of it, the way it's shot, the way that the, there's even scenes that they'll use some animation and they'll use split screens. And it, it, he breaks the, the, the fourth wall and talks to the camera at times. At one point, he's in line at a movie theater and there's some guy arguing in front of him and the, the guy or the guy's like having a conversation and, and pontificating about, you know, the media's place and all this. And he's like, wait, hold on a second. You don't know what you're talking about. The guy's like, yeah, I do. I'm a professor uh, at uh, New York University. I know exactly what I'm talking. He goes, yeah, well, I, you don't know anything about uh, Marshall McLuhan. And the guy's like, I know everything about Marshall McLuhan. And Woody Allen's like, hold on, I got Marshall McLuhan right here. And he just pulls him out. Like, it's just him. And it's Marshall McLuhan. Marshall McLuhan's like, you don't know what you're talking about. It's just, it's so crazy, zany kind of stuff going on. But man, is it good. And as far as romantic comedies go, it's got all the elements. You know what I mean? It's got the romance. It's got the the two mm -hmm. people that just can't really be together because they're so different and all this. And then the way he's pontificating about everything in the way he's even at the end he's he's quoting Groucho Marx and stuff oh, I tell you there's so much to talk about it'd take a whole podcast but Annie Hall is really that good and it's my number three Annie Hall is one of those films where I've heard it referenced a million times I've it's, obviously it's never good. seen it because I don't watch good movies um apparently but <laughs> but I, <laughs> I I know I need to watch it like you said it you know I won an Academy Award beat out freaking Star Wars for God's sake which by the way have we ever had a show without mentioning Star Wars I don't think so I don't, no. I don't think so either. It, it no. always comes back to Star Wars or the Matrix. One of the I will. I will get you to watch Annie Hall at some point. I promise, because okay. it's yeah. one that you got to watch for us to review at some point. But uh, anyway, all the way to number two. So what do you got? Yeah. So number two for me is How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days. And so my wife recommended this just because I couldn't think of anything, and I was like, "No, nah, that's kind of dumb." But then the more I thought about it, I'm like, "No, actually, I kind of like that movie." Um, again, couldn't think of you know six other movies or five other movies to talk about. But um, how I uh, How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days it stars Kate Hudson and Matthew McConaughey, um, both very um, you know good looking people. Lots of chemistry there. They look like they're supposed to be together. Um, it's uh, Kate Hudson's character, I can't remember her name in the movie, but uh, she is like a writer. She writes for like a cosmopolitan-esque type magazine. I can't remember what it's called in there. But um, basically, she's pitched by her editor to write a story about how to lose a guy in 10 days. Whereas on the flip side, Matthew McConaughey's character, whose name also escapes me, uh, he is offered a bet by, I think it was like an ex-girlfriend or something, 
that he can make any girl fall in love with him within 10 days. So again, absurd premise doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but apparently that's like the secret sauce for making romantic comedies. Uh, that's just what people love. They like really weird esoteric plot points and it works for this you know, you have conflicting sides and of course it's inevitable that one is trying to push the other one away. The other one is trying to make that person fall in love with them. They're both incredibly self-serving and it's you know there's no way that it should possibly work out and of course in the end it does they actually find true love but it's just like a really funny like kooky movie like there are certain things that they do to try to like you know get their objective across like i know kate Kate hudson's character she tries to do everything wrong like every textbook thing you can think of like she fills his medicine cabinet with tampons and you know razors and just completely fills it up and he has like this space issue or um you know she uses photoshop at one point to make him like a scrapbook of their fake wedding like she literally like superimposes her head and his head on like fake like wedding photos and with fake kids where like they did like a composite of the two of their faces to make kids that look like you know aliens just everything you can think of like you know, she she goes to his poker night when it's just the boys night and she's there the entire night just being annoying as hell or cries in restaurants and says that he calls her fat. Like, I don't know. It's 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 almost like cringeworthy, like how blatant and just awful she is at him. But like I said, in the end, they do find love, which is really what you and I only care about. Chris is finding true love in movies. Um, <laughs> it's funny. You know, it's it's funny. It's it's not my favorite medium, but th- this is like, um. I compare romantic comedies to uh, almost like kids movies or kids shows like Teletubbies. Okay. I use the Teletubby example a lot. I don't know if I've done on this podcast, but um, romantic comedies like Teletubbies insofar that if it's on TV and the remote is not like close enough to you where you don't have to get up, you're like, Oh, this is so stupid. I'm not watching this. I'm not watching, you know, how to lose a guy in 10 days or I'm not watching Teletubbies, but you'll literally sit there for an hour and a half or two hours and keep watching it. It's just captivating enough where you wouldn't actively seek it out, but you also don't mind having to watch it. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It does, right? I, yeah. Maybe I, I, I came across something today, like oh. one one intelligible thought. Who knew? Hey, there you um, go. So my number two, Forgetting Sir, or forgetting Sir Marshall, uh, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. It's a... Uh, it's an okay movie, Chris. All right. I'll take your word for it because I'm probably not going to watch it. Uh, uh, but my number two is – this is going to be – I think I'm going to get some – I might get some emails for this one because this one – oh, man. It's such a good movie. But the thing is I don't know if it really quali- qualifies as a romantic comedy You know, when you first look at it, but it really, really is. And it's from 1982. It's called Tootsie. Okay, and what it does is it completely flips the romantic comedy format on its head. I think some people might classify it as a comedy, um, not Dustin Hoffman though, because I remember seeing him interviewed one time, and he was he actually got all emotional and was crying. He's like, "This movie is not a comedy. This was never a comedy to me. It was a drama, and um, it was about what it's like to be a woman." And um, I think some people might think of it as kind of a comedy drama, maybe, but I think at its core, Tootsie is a romantic comedy through and through. And because it's all about the relationships that surround the main character. So if you're not familiar with the movie, this is another one that'll be on the list for you to watch sometime there, Yancey. Um, what it is, is it's Dustin Hoffman plays an actor in New York, okay, who is really, really difficult to work with. He's basically playing himself, okay? And he's a very difficult to work with actor. So as a result, nobody wants to work with him. Nobody wants to hire him. They don't want to hire him to do anything. So... He realizes the only way he's going to get work is if he dresses as a woman and tries out for the the latest soap opera. So he does. And doesn't he get the part? So he gets the part and he's on this national soap opera playing an older woman. Um, And so his name's Michael Dorsey and he changes it to Dorothy Michaels. And so he gets this part (laughs) and and it's all about 
all the relationships that go on. So he's got a relationship with his friend, Terry Gar, who, when he's Michael and she's interested in him and, but he's not really interested in her. But then as a, uh, when he becomes a woman, you know, he's basically has to deal with all of these men that are trying to come onto him, like George Gaines and Charles Durning. And then of course the real key relationship is he falls in love with Jessica Lange's character, but he's, he's dressed as a woman. So he, you know, how does he address this? This, this, these feelings that he has for this girl, right? And the movie is like, it sounds goofy and it sounds crazy. It was nominated for 10 Academy Awards. Like, it, it this movie has everything in it. It's got so much. I was on mute. Did you say 10 Academy Awards? 10 Academy, Academy Awards. <laughs> it, it was up for Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actress in a Supporting Role for two of them. Ter- Tootsie. Terry Gar and Jessica Lang were both up as uh, Best Actress in a Supporting Role for the same movie. Jessica Lang won the Oscar, actually. It was up for Best Screenplay, Best Song, a bunch of other stuff. But anyway, it's got something, it's got a little bit of everything in this movie. Like I say, it's it's sort of satirical, you know, it's, it's, it's heartfelt. It's, oh, it's just so good. And it's funny and there's some parts of it that are really funny and a lot of it is kind of like it's funny but it it cuts to the bone funny you know especially like, i remember the, the the biggest laugh line in it and i'm not going to give it away is a scene when bill murray bill murray has a small part to too he's phenomenal in this movie and he he basically um michael dor michael dorsey dressed as dorothy so he's dorothy and he's trying to fend off um uh, George Gaines character and George Gaines is coming on to him really hard. And so he's trying and he basically fights him off in the apartment and gets about and then Bill Murray walks in and sees this going on and he just delivers a line that is just so funny, but it cuts to the bone. It's all oh, the movie is really good. It's always been one of my favorite movies. Um, I really, really enjoyed a lot to me. And I've mentioned it on the podcast before. This movie is like a masterclass in how to act like in an, as an acting workshop, every person in this movie is like off the charts amazing in their role and even the director Sidney Pollock plays a part in it. he plays George Fields he basically he plays um uh Michael Dorsey's agent and the scenes that they have between each other are almost improvisational they're just so good because you know that because the conversations they're having are about how difficult Michael is to work with and you know it's all true it's like Sidney Pollock arguing with Dustin Hoffman about how hard he is to work with and it's just Oh man, it's off the charts. It is so good. It's it, you just think of it as oh, Dustin Hoffman in drag. What the heck is this? It's a lot more than that going on in that movie. I'll have you watch it sometime, and you'll know what I'm talking about. But it's number two. Okay, well, I've you know what, another movie that I've heard in passing, but haven't actually seen it. I think the name it kind of gives it like this like connotation where like I just don't. I'm almost like immediately dismissive of it because it's called Tootsie. You know what I mean? Well, the reason it's called Tootsie is because it's the idea of Tootsie is like a derogatory name that you'd give to a woman. Hey, Tootsie, come here. You know, like as as a as a sort of a derogatory nickname. You know? Oh, okay. And the okay. Po- the point is is that I'm not a Tootsie. I'm a person. I have a name. And there's a good line in it where he says, that is that is my name. My name is Dorothy, Dorothy Michaels. And he spells it out, D-O-R-O-T-H-Y, Dorothy. Not Toots, not Tootsie, not anything. like. So it's, the, 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 the title of the movie is very, very important. When you watch it, you'll understand. It's phenomenal, dude. From, right from the opening scene to the last scene, it's just, it's unbelievable. So that's a couple movies we should probably do for a future yep. show. Yeah. Sounds pretty good. I mean, yeah, if it, it won it's really 10 good. Academy Awards, it I was mean, up Jesus. For, no, it was nominated for 10. It only won one. Jessica Lange won, but it was up, but nominated for 10. So one out of 10, though, that's kind of disrespectful. <laughs> no, well, yeah, tough year, you know, Gandhi, all that stuff. So true. Okay. So my number one, um, this is not the most reigning endorsement as has been the theme for the entire show. Uh, but I like 51st Dates a lot with, uh, 
Adam Sandler and uh, Drew Barrymore. This was Drew Barrymore. This was like one of the last films for both of these actors, actually, where they were still kind of like a really big deal. This was filmed back in, I think, like 2004. And after this, like there's been like a lot of misses for both of them, Drew Barrymore and Adam Sandler especially. I don't know if you've watched some of the Netflix movies of Adam Sandler, but they're terrible. Like there's a lot of really terrible Adam Sandler movies floating around there. Oh, God, yeah. and, uh, most of them are terrible. Jack and Jill and all that crap. Yeah, really, really bad movies. Um, this one is the exception. I think it's really, really good. Uh, the description says that uh, Henry Roth, who's obviously played by Adam Sandler, is a man afraid of commitment until he meets the beautiful Lucy, who's played by Drew Barrymore. They hit it off whenever Henry thinks he's finally found the girl of his dreams until he discovers that she has short-term memory loss and forgets him the very next day. So, again, with the weird premise for a romantic comedy, this is actually a super, super cute, endearing movie where literally like he, he, he falls in love with her and – Every single day he has to start over. And this is kind of like one of those tests of like true love. And I remember like, you know, how many conversations do you think this sparked between two, you know, different people where it was like, you know, would you do something like that for me? If you were truly in love with me, would you invest that much time and effort into having to make me fall in love with you every single day? It's kind of just like a, I don't know, almost like a lesson or like a motto to like live life by like, hey, do whatever it takes to make your girl or your guy fall in love with you every single day. There's a lot of stuff that happens in it. Like he's a doctor, but uh, he works at like a zoo and there's like penguins and like walruses and stuff involved. It's a really weird kind of like kooky movie. There's lots of like weird stuff going on it that um, I I don't know. I can't really articulate very well on this show, but it's just a sweet movie. And the fact that like she freaks out, you know, she'll wake up and he, you know, they just had this most amazing day, but she'll wake up and is screaming bloody murder because she has no idea who this guy is. Like I said, just a really interesting premise, really, really good acting. This was whenever, like I said, they both actors were still kind of like at their peak whenever they were, you know, two of the most highest paid actors in Hollywood. Um, It's just nice. It's like a nice snapshot in time whenever uh, they were like a much bigger deal. But overall, it's like a really, really solid movie. So that's my number one, Chris. 51st State from 2004. Nice. I'm glad you like it. So I mentioned earlier about my wife wanting to come on the podcast. And then I didn't let her come on the podcast because she felt Casablanca was a romantic comedy. So that ended that in a hurry. But then the other thing was, she's like, okay, well then, Mr. Smart Guy, what's your list? And so I told her what my number one movie was. And she's like, that movie's dumb. And I'm like, that's exhibit B, why you're not coming on the podcast. Again, Yancey, the reason why I'm sleeping on the couch. Uh, but anyway, so my number one, she didn't apparently like, but I really like this movie a lot. And the thing is, if you go back to like the 40s, Spencer Tracy and Catherine Hepburn made uh, a bunch of sort of romantic, they kind of set the standard with romantic comedies, okay? Because they had a bunch of these movies like Adam's Rib and Bringing Up Baby and all these kind of movies that they did together. And like I say, they kind of set the bar for this kind of these kind of movies, right? But the thing is, no movies since have been able to capture that kind of spirit that those movies had, uh, those Tracy Hepburn movies, until this movie came along in 1981, in my estimation anyway, and that's Continental Divide. I've mentioned it briefly on the podcast before that I like this movie. There's something about this movie I just really, really, really like. Um, I, I don't think it gets its due. It's a great, great, great romantic comedy. And the thing is, it's got John Belushi in it, which is, you know, he's one of my favorites of all time, as you know. I've mentioned that before. And the thing is, you watched Belushi in a movie. Right. You watched Animal House. I made you watch Animal House. And Belushi was known as Bluto back then. And you could see why, you know, he's a slobby guy and he plays the part really, really well. Well, imagine just watching Animal House. okay, And then all of a sudden being told that John Belushi is going to be in a romantic comedy and play the lead role. 
audiences just didn't buy it. it I the, have my doubts. <laughs> the movie bombed. The movie bombed huge, right? Because people just didn't, they just wouldn't buy him in that role. And it's too bad that they didn't give him a chance because John Belushi was a very, very good actor, very talented actor. And, um, and he really shines in this movie. And so this movie is, it, um, it's directed by Michael Apted, but written by Lawrence Kasdan. And we mentioned Lawrence Kasdan before, if you remember his name, you know, he's written such great things as, you know, the empire strikes back. And, um, he even wrote the, the force awakens, you know, he's done a lot of amazing, amazing writing over the years. And he wrote this movie continental divide and his script is unbelievable. It is sharp, sharp, sharp as attack. And, it's just, like I say, it captures the spirit of the uh, Tracy Hepburn movies like no other movie has since, I don't think. And the idea is is that John Belushi's in Chicago and he's a, a reporter and he's on to like some big scoop. And it's, it's there's a lot of corruption going on in the government there and he's on to it. But what happens is, is now he's in danger because he knows too much. And these high powered politicians try and kill him. So his editor says, hey, you know what? We got to get you out of town. You're you're in you're in trouble here, so he sends them out to the Continental Divide, and of course the title means the Continental Divide is where they send him, but it's also the division between him and the, the love interest because they're so different. He meets this girl, and she's like this eagle expert, and she like uh, studies eagles and lives in the mountains. Well, he's from Chicago. He smokes, drinks, lives in the city, and she lives in a mountain. And so they're just complete opposites. But of course, they fall in love and the romantic comedy, you know, ensues. But it's sharp, sharp. The dialogue in it is unbelievably sharp. And it's all because of Lawrence Kasdan and the performances of John Belushi and Blair Brown. So it's my number one. I really like that movie a lot. And uh, and I've watched it many, many times and I'll watch it many, many more, I'm sure. So hmm. that's it. So uh, lots of good choices, I think, hopefully. Some controversial ones, some odd ones. One, my wife, she didn't like the Continental Divide, so I'm sleeping on the couch as a result. But uh, anyway, um, what do you say we get to some trivia? Let's do it. All right. Time now for Fun with Yancey. Okay, so you know what, Yancey, one of my, we've been doing this now for 69 episodes, as you know, as you pointed out, Mr. Juvenile. Um, so we've done this show enough that, you know, one of my favorite things to do is I love playing the uh, winner's circle from the $100,000 pyramid. Correct. You've made this known. Yeah. So we're going to do it again. So here we go. Okay, so here's how it works, okay? I'm going to give you clues, okay? And all you have to do is guess the movie that's associated with the clues. To make it easy, you know, going in, every movie is a romantic comedy, okay? So it's easy. Okay. And also, I went it seems really... simple enough. I went even easier on you, Yancey, because the oldest movie is from 1998. They're all millennial films, just for you. So it's your generation... <laughs> Okay. Okay. Super easy. I give you. You're just clues. setting it up to look that much worse whenever I bomb it. That's okay. how. That's how this segment works. It's called fun <laughs> with Yancey for a reason. I have fun with you. So here's okay. how. So again, I'm going to give you clues, and very easily you name the movie. Okay. Correct. Are you ready? Let's do it. Here goes. Jason Siegel's penis. <laughs> Forgetting Sarah Marshall. <laughs> ben Stiller. Cameron Diaz, the Farrelly brothers. Oh, uh, there's something about Mary. Yes. Gold Digger, LeBron James, Bill Hader, Knee Surgeon, Amy Schumer, 2015. 
I know the movie, but I don't know the name, Chris. Judd Apatow. Pass. Action figures. Video games. Appliance store. Paul Rudd. Catherine Keener. Steve Carell. Celibacy. Oh, 40-year-old virgin. There we go. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> Renee Zellweger. Hugh Grant. Single woman. Single British woman. Weight conscious. Colin Firth. Oscar nomination. Zellweger Oscar nomination. Uh, Underwear. 2001. Is it 10 Things I Hate About You? No. Uh, no? Pass. Uh, Christmas. London. 10 different stories. 2003. Hugh Grant. Emma uh, Thompson. Kira Knightley. Andrew Lincoln. God, I have no idea. Pass. Liam Neeson. <laughs> Shannon Elizabeth. <laughs> No idea. Oh, man. Oh, man. We ran out of time anyway. So, ah, didn't do so good. So the ones that you missed, that one was Love Actually. Was it? Love Actually. <laughs> and the other one you couldn't think of, the Renee Zellweger, Hugh Grant, weight conscious British woman was Bridget Jones's Diary. I've never seen it. Can you believe that? Is that yeah, bad? You've heard of it. And the other one that you didn't know, Gold Digger and Bill Hader and Amy Schumer was Trainwreck. Ah, that's what it's called. Okay. They're all, so I tried to make it, make it easy for you, this young man. I tried to make it easy for you, give you all millennial movies. Still fun, though, nonetheless. Okay, so I'd just like to point out that you you struggled with a lot of these, but, like, no problem getting Jason Siegel's penis. Oh, my, my, my. No problem with that one. <laughs> you know, I tell you, jeez. Oh, well. You didn't make it to the top. You got 51, 52. You got, well, you got 450 bucks. Not bad. All right, so... So there's that. So you go home with 450 bucks and uh, you don't have to sleep on the couch. So lucky you. Unlike <laughs> me. <laughs> but anyway, so there it is. That's our romantic comedies uh, for this week. I still think we could still do chick flicks, though. You know, quote unquote chick flicks, because I think they're different, you know, because like a movie like for, for, for me, a movie like, like one that I didn't put on my list was The Princess Bride, you know, because to me, The Princess Bride isn't really a romantic comedy. You know, it's more of like a swashbuckling adventure that's just so fun, but it's kind of a chick flick, you know, mm -hmm. but um, and and that's why like a movie like like as my wife mentioned, Dirty Dancing is a chick flick, but it's not a romantic comedy. Right. So I think there would be, still be some overlap because I think 16 Candles is kind of a chick flick, but it's still amazing. Right. So I don't know. We'll look at that some other time. But uh, um, what we're going to need to do is I need a movie from you for next week so I've got to watch a millennial film and come back and review it with you so do you have one queued up for me that you'd like me to watch and if so what would it be I do um, please don't enough, be the lobster too please don't be the not lobster too <laughs> bigger larger and uncut the lobster too <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the lobster too electric boogaloo <laughs> yeah <laughs> the fish saves Pittsburgh what is it What's the, the, the fish yeah. that saved Pittsburgh yeah, look at me. Recall. Good job, yeah, Ian. Yeah, almost. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So my film that we're going to be reviewing next week, which you guys are encouraged to watch and review along with us, is the 1997 sci-fi film Contact, starring Jodie Foster and Matthew McConaughey. So okay, we're yeah. going to watch that next week. It's not not no surprise. It's a science fiction movie. So there's that. Mm -hmm. uh, but the other thing is, is, is from what I know, I've never seen the movie, but from what I know, it doesn't suck. 
So that's a good thing. So I think going in, I might actually enjoy this one. So there's always that. Uh, so I'll watch Contact. We'll come back next week. We'll review the movie together and we'll go from there and then I'll throw a movie at you for the following show. But uh, until then, if anyone wants to reach us on Twitter, um, at C. McBrien or at Yancey Eaton, or you can email us. Um, you can find our email addresses and all of our contact information at Pop Goes Your World. Until next time, this is Chris McBrien for Yancey Eaton saying thanks for listening to Pop Goes Your World, the pop culture podcast for the generations. Thank you for listening to the Pop Goes Your World podcast. Continue the conversation on Twitter at C. McBrien or at Yancey Eaton. Please consider leaving a review for the podcast on iTunes or wherever you download and listen to the show. Music.